The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fix Six Podcast, CBS Sports State NFL Podcast. I'm Wolverine, and I'm your host. It's Thursday, June the 30th. If you're listening in audio or watching on YouTube, we are not live on YouTube. If you are happen to be uh, hanging with us, although maybe we are live on YouTube. I don't, I don't know anymore. You know what? Anyway, whatever. Who cares? We're going to talk to you about some safety, some NFL safety. Joining me to do so, Tyler Sullivan, aka. Sully at Tyler Sully on Twitter. Something I should probably say at the beginning of the show, not the end. What's up, buddy? How we doing? What's going on, Will? How you doing? I'm good. Um, talk about Boston with somebody. Oh, I know. Um, the uh, 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 the the wonderful woman, my friend who cuts my hair, uh, Katie G, is from uh, from Boston. Oh yeah. Was, uh, she was up there visiting her parents recently, and I was like, you know, I do a uh, podcast with my buddy Sully. He's from <laughs> Boston too, and. Um, we're making fun of somebody. Somebody couldn't do. Oh, I knew what it was. She was telling me that she went and saw Fred Armisen at, uh, at DPAC in Durham, right? And um, you know, it's like a you know, nice theater because apparently Fred Armisen's dad lives in Durham, so he's down there a bunch. And uh, he was like, "All right, who wants to, you know, somebody yell out like, uh, you know, uh, regions of the country or, or places in the world, and I'll do the accent." And like, uh, and she was like, "Boston." And Fred Armisen was like, "I don't really do a good Boston accent." It's like, how? That's like, that's like the easiest accent to how, like, how could you not do it? Well, I'll, I'll say accent? this I'll say this. Uh, it, you know, Bostonians very particular about how other people impersonate the accent. Sure. Like, like if you watch a movie and the accent sucks, it could be a, it could, it could be a best picture, but if the accent accent suck, it's like, no, nah, I didn't like it. Wasn't that good? Was, uh, like, what's her name? I feel like uh, you're specifically going after Goodwill Hunting here. Uh, no, it was more, um, what was the one? Uh, the town. With Blake Lively, hers was horrible, and everybody ripped her for it. You know, bad Boston accents are almost as bad. Bad Southern accents are probably the worst. Yeah, that's way more common, I think. Yeah, because you know, like you'll have you'll have somebody be like, like um, you know, it's like the uh, Brian Kelly thing. He's like, my family. (laughs) It's like what? (laughs) Sorry, is that a Cajun accent? It's a nice little tie-in. The the Everett native, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now he's a Southern man. It's in, in for reference, like I lived in Everett. Like I used yeah. to live in Malden, Everett. Everett, which is thick accent area. And no, not I didn't really think of any southern and, accents there. And for, for those that might think I would making fun of Sully's Boston uh, tendencies, vocal tendencies, I'm not at all. I find it bad. Like there's nothing that makes me like smile. Like it, like if you, you'll be talking about like something serious <laughs> or even just like like a football related thing, and like there'll be like a word where it's like just very clearly like a deep like. Boston inflection. It is and really it just, weird. Just makes me smile. It is really weird because, like, some of my buddies don't have it. You know, other people have it worse than me. Like, my brother's ridiculous. Like, he's he's uh, what is he? Twenty six now. But even this, when he was is like, this trading trading card selling? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. And, and, like he, oh, he wait, he's, he's ten years old. And he sounds like the end of the dude or the bar. Um, let me see if I got it in here. I think it's in my bag. So I was we um as people who watch or listen to the show are. Uh, no, 
Um, this is not my usual backdrop. We've moved. I'm uh, I'm nomadic for podcast purposes right now. But as I was cleaning out, I found my old 1980s. Is he into baseball or just football? Uh, baseball, football, really mostly baseball. But I mean, pretty much. Right. At, text him and ask him if the double the 1987 double error Barry Bonds card is worth anything. One second. Is the double. This podcast never, ever, ever fails to deliver. But oh yeah, I mean, come on. I, mean, come on. <laughs> um, I found so I was like cleaning out my um, baseball card stuff, and I found like somewhere in my I swear to God somewhere in my bag. Um, what was, was like, the year again? 1987 tops double error Barry Bonds. Basically, there's two errors on the back of the card. The three and the zero and the num- in the numbering get, get got cut off. Yeah. And I was like Googling like, oh, like best 87. I had to have it in like a plastic sleeve apart from the rest of the set because it's just rookie. And um, like the first the first thing I popped up was like, could be worth up to $5,000. I was like, oh. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, all right. Now we're cooking with gas. Well, that's um, what happened to him the other day. He went to a thrift shop and uh, walked in, big binder of um, baseball cards, bought the whole thing. Back of the binder, Jeter rookie card worth crazy money. It's like. You don't think that those things happen, and then they happen. It does, yeah. It's like, all right. Well, that's why, like, like if you're smart, if you're like a big collector, you know, you know what you're looking for, right? But you also know, like, I'm gonna like if there's a binder of cards or sitting at a thrift shop that nobody wants, I'm willing to invest the time and the effort to to see if there's actually stuff in there. I I think I've got. Is it the upper deck Jeter rookie card? Uh, hold on. You know what? We probably shouldn't be talking about. I mean, we could turn this into a instead of the safeties rankings, we can just talk about cards. Yeah, oh, oh, there, there's one. Um, uh, it was the yeah 1993 upper deck SP. Okay, see, I think I might have that one too. I have a ton of cards from the 90s. Yeah. Um, uh, Ty Joseph in the chat. So apparently we are live on YouTube. Sweet. Cool. Um, says uh, Boston is probably my favorite city. Being Irish and from Atlantic Atlantic Canada is both close and, and culturally relevant. Hate the Bruins though. I hate the Bruins yeah, well, too. That's about yeah. I mean, we got the Canes and we got. What 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 is he probably Habs? I would I would assume right. Where Habs. is he in Canada? <laughs> no, no, no. And so um, yeah. it's fine. Good yeah. town. I enjoy. It. Hey, fun. hey, hey. The, the Canes are limited. I'm no longer a uh, bandwagon hockey fan. I'm, I'm out of Canada. I like I like Boston too. Um, I haven't been there in forever. The last time I think the last time I went up there. You know what's weird is so I've I've um. Uh, yes, my audio is perhaps a little muffled. I am not using my normal setup. As you can see, I've got AirPods in. Um, I'll try and speak up or maybe raise my volume. At any rate, uh, I was going to say that it's been a while since I've been to Boston. I've actually never been to a Red Sox game, but I have been to Fenway to see fish. Okay. All right, cool. That's awesome. Pretty sacrilegious on my part as a like sports writer and sports like <laughs> nut. I've been to Fenway for fish, but never for the Boston Reds. A Boston you know, Red Sox. I do that too. Like I, I very much, especially this time of the year, I very much try to detach as much as humanly possible from all sports. I go to Red Sox games, and obviously the Celtics were just in the NBA Finals, so I'm paying attention. But you know, you try to do your best to get get away from it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Dom. Yes, Dom puts out he cannot see that I have AirPods in. I, I do have AirPods in for. People who are wondering if the audio is a little different today. Anywho, uh, we have now filibustered seven minutes worth of the podcast. We should probably get to the actual football discussion. I am uh, apparently looking more like Captain Haddock than normal. Who's Captain Haddock? Is, that a, is he a burly ship captain or something? That I don't know. Be, Doesn't ring a bell. So, there's, like, 
anyway, there's stuff in storage and I'm terrible at like, like figuring out like what should be in storage and what should not be in storage. And so naturally my beard trimmer is in storage. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, it's just going to keep growing. Um, anyway, I'm doing the same thing over here. Yeah. It's, it's beard season. Yeah, it's on. uh yeah. So, um, also, as I mentioned, we we're talking about safeties also in storage, my soundboard. So apologies in advance. We won't be able to play over and over again. Karen Nakayu uh, from John Breach. We'll just have to fake it and pretend like I'm, I'll just, I'll try it. Yeah. Like I'll try to do it and see if that works. Uh, he is on the list. He is not number 10 though. Um, let's talk. Okay. Before we get to it, you and I referenced it before the show. Top 10 list. It's an off season staple position by position. It's going to happen. You can't stop it. You can only hope to avoid the landmines. And this is one of the landmines, safety. Because, first of all, it's hard to evaluate safety play. Like, you can know who are good safeties, but, like, a lot of safeties do a lot of different things, right? Yeah. And second of all, you're just – I mean, look, pull back the curtain a little bit. You're not getting a bunch of traffic on the top 10 safeties post in late June of the offseason for the NFL site. Like, it's just not going to do – unless you just leave Minka Fitzpatrick off. And he and then Cam Hayward starts chirping. It was he? Is he actually off the list? <laughs> I have him off, right? Oh, he is off the list. Oh, I have him God. off. Okay, Trying to get controversial, right. but I'll explain it. Okay. Well, so uh, is he your? And anyway, it's a tough list to do. Minka, like you might get chirped by Minka and um, oh yeah, Tim Tim. That's Captain Haddock. All right, my bad. Sorry. I'm look. I'm I'm all over the place today, man. Um, literally, like like physically, I'm I'm every which way. Um, anywho, um. The uh, Minka may you may get traffic because Minka and Cam Hayward and, and crew might start chirping at you. Like, who the hell is Tyler Sully think he is? <laughs> um, anyway, that was what I was going to point out about the list. Feel free to point out anything you want about the list, your criteria, and uh, maybe why Minka Fitzpatrick is off the list. Yeah, so I can, you know, I'll get into all that obviously, but like for me. Like you're saying, it's a very difficult position to try to go one through ten with because it's not like quarterback where, yes, there are guys that have different talents like Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson, but they're doing the same job. Safety, they're not necessarily being asked to do the same job. You have guys that are just basically center fielders and they're hanging out in the back end of the, of the secondary and they're playing center field and they're just kind of being that coverage guy. But then you also have those players like Tyron Mathieu or or, or, or Megan Fitzpatrick. You have guys that are more in the box playing. I mean, Jamal, a high, Adams. Jamal Adams, a hybrid, almost linebacker. You have guys covering the slot. So there's a lot of different variables when you're trying to judge this position. So I wasn't trying to just all of a sudden go, okay, here are the top guys that are in coverage for safety. You know, I'm trying to be a little bit more diverse in this top ten. So it's a why a reason why a guy like. Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't on this list. Would I want him on, you know, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. Would I want him on the Patriots? Absolutely. 10 times out of 10, I want that guy on my team. But I'm trying to put in guys that are like the Budabegas of the world are going to be in it. But there's also going to be, you know, Antoine Winfields. Two totally different styles of play. One more of a strong safety. One, like I said, more of a center fielder in the secondary. So I kind of tried to mix in and mesh in a lot of different styles as much as I did try to also go 1 through 10. Yeah, I, I like honestly, I'm thinking about like having to do the safety rankings, like top 10, because it, it's, it's people like to joke about, but it's, it's really not a joke. I guess it's kind of true. I'm going to try to change it this year, but like, I don't write a whole lot anymore. Um, and like I, I've written the top 10 safety list probably like 10 years, you know, like probably like 10 times. And like 
I get anxiety thinking about it because it's great. It's my favorite time of the year, right? You know I mean? it's just, right. Like you're trying to relax. You're just, just trying to enjoy the sacks, you know, like, like playing some ball. Uh, and, and, and instead you're being asked to like do this. What I just, it's just a really difficult ranking because of what you point out, like safety, the safety position is extremely like, like there's no, like again, quarterback, easy to do even like wide receivers kind of tough because you're like well he's a slot guy is he a true number one is he you know, number two you know all that yeah um safeties is just really really hard because of it's a diverse position that's that's what it is i mean it's more yeah. more than it i mean there's probably other positions but it's one of the more diverse positions just because of where you can move these guys around like like tyron Mathieu. i mean come on now he he is just pieced around like a chess piece all around the secondary he can play back he's, he can play forward you know play in the box like so again, that's a little bit different than say like a Marcus Williams, who is going to be basic. And we'll see what happens in Baltimore, but he's primarily in during his time in New Orleans was back in the back end of the secondary. Yeah, and and the other thing too is like a lot of that isn't just the player and what their skill set is. It's also like who's the defensive coordinator and what defense do they run? You know, yeah. you are going to get different stuff from different 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 defensive coordinators and different defenses. So it's it's tough to do. Um, Nick Fitzpatrick. You're uh, probably number 11. Honorable mention, yeah. Certainly in that, you know, 11, 12. Could, could easily be 10. It's totally fine. I, I wouldn't really fight you too much. I, and as much as I do say, obviously, guys are a little bit different. One thing that really kind of, and again, you're splitting hairs when you're talking about top 10s. It's really more tiers that we should do, but neither here nor there. People right. like top 10s. But with Mika Fitzpatrick, again, a lot of this was pro football reference, approximate value. You're looking at all that stuff. You're, you're digging up everything that you can. Out of eligible safeties last year, and in, in that was like 80% of the snaps, defensive snaps, just because you want one of those mainstays, he was dead last in coverage, like a horrible mm. career-worst type of year in coverage. And as much as we say, okay, well, they actually use him more inside the box, he's kind of a hybrid type of linebacker, Jamal Adams-type vibes, you still need to be able to cover if you're a defensive back. I mean, there is still something to be said for that to some degree. So that was something that kind of knocked him down a peg. But again extremely talented guy obviously you know in the top 10 discussion for sure so he was actually ranked uh, 73rd according to pro football focus um his run defense checked out at a pretty high rate but everything yeah. else down for him uh last year and i think like i mean i i think yeah he got paid this offseason that's totally yep. fine i mean yeah. he just i don't think he was as impactful last year as he was in the previous years and like when he you know, first arrived to pittsburgh it was Oh my goodness, he has raised the ceiling for this defense tremendously. Like you just noticed it. He was creating turnovers and everything like that. It was a little bit of a step back this year. And again, you know, that could be multitude of factors. Who knows? But it's just it, it, the numbers show what they show. All right. So Jordan Poyer checks in. Is there anybody else that got snubbed that you want to mention, by the way? Just so um, that way. Well, if you want not, to. Not like, not, like, not like Cam Hayward's going to be listening to the show and be like, oh, never mind. Sully had a great <laughs> yeah, explanation for he this. Had a really, he had a really honest, you know, way of way of describing it. So I'm going to. Uh, did, the, did, the, did the editors do you dirty and be like, like the headlines like Nick Fitzpatrick no longer top 10 safety no, or something like that? No, thankfully. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just basically listing who's one and two, which is totally fine with me. That's. It's, I mean, it's June. Again. It's June in the editing desk as well, Sully. <laughs> uh, let me think. Is there uh, other guys that I want to mention? Uh, Jeremy Chin was is probably an up and comer. Certainly going to be in that discussion as he develops. He's, he's still a young guy. Micah Hyde not on the top ten. I kind of made the the reasoning when I had Jordan Poyer at number nine. Just you know, you can mix and match whoever you want. I took the guy that was number one, tied for first in approximate value, and 
was an all pro, you know, the all pro selection. So kind of just siding with the peers with Jordan Boyer as opposed to Micah Hyde. But again, they make the best safety do on the NFL, arguably. See, you know what I would have done if I like, I'm like, I'm pretty good at like figuring out like cop out like mechanisms. I would have paired them and been like, yeah, like, put you, them in, you pair them and be like, oh, Micah Hyde slash Jordan Boyer, be like, it's just too difficult to separate the incredible play of both Bill's safeties and how they work in tandem in Sean McDermott's defense and the way Leslie Frazier you and said so like, yeah, then yeah. you're like people are like, all right, all right, that's a pretty good explanation. Like this guy's so full of it, but I'm kind of biased. Um so yeah, Jordan uh Micah Hyde didn't make the list. Jordan Poyer checks in at number nine, though. Adrian Amos at ten. Yep. Um I think you could have gotten away with Micah Hyde at nine. Jordan Poyer slash Micah Hyde at nine. Uh, yeah, probably. If you wanted to. Yeah. Um what uh, what about uh, those, these guys in the bottom half? Because we'll get to uh, the Honey Badger and my. I think six, seven, and eight are interesting players um, from their versatility perspective. Yeah. But Poyer at nine and Amos at ten uh, sort of walk through uh, those guys in the back end of the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amos to me, I just I think I had him on the list last year too, and I basically made the same argument. Like just super underrated. Kind of reminds me of that like Devin McCourty, someone who I'm obviously super familiar with in uh, in New England. Always in the right position. Not a ton of like flashy, oh my goodness, top 10 type of plays, but he's just well positioned, extremely well rounded. He's been pro football focuses number one uh, safety since two, 2020. Wow. Um, let me let me see. There's something else I had to mention. Oh, the durability there too. Dating back to 2018, at the very least, 97% of the defensive snaps. I mean, that's half the battle. Just an unbelievably durable player for the Packers. Sure. All around great defensive back. Very little mistakes. He did let up six touchdowns last year, which was not great. But there was like, 50, what was it? A um, the opponents got fifty-eight point two percent of their targets. So I mean, you know, when he let up a catch, it was for for a touchdown. But ultimately, he's been pretty sound. If he gets those touchdowns down, he's still one of the best in the league. Yeah, that works for me. You touched on the Bills guys. Um, yep. Anything else you want to say about Poirier? Um, well, I mean, because we, we, I was saying we can jump to the Tyron Matthew, uh, number eight. Um, that's I, I assume people get dead at this point. Um, along with uh, Antoine Winfield at seven, Antoine Winfield Jr. at seven, and Buda Baker at six. I think all those guys are really interesting from just like coupling them together. But there's a couple themes about these guys, and then you can sort of touch on why you ranked them where you did. But, you know, with um, the Honey Badger, like he's, he's kind of the modern sort of – or he's like he, – he's sort of the, 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 the godfather, if you will – of the modern versatile safety. And like, I don't know. I mean, you probably remember this, Sully, because you're, you're old enough. And I'm, I'm sure like a lot of listeners do. But like, I don't know if people, younger folks, really understand the hype that Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, a.k.a. Tyron Matthew, had like at LSU. Like he was a legitimate preseason Heisman contender. And people thought he might get it. Um, you know, he, he had uh, issues with uh, marijuana, basically that got him kicked out, like he had to leave LSU. And then he had to rehab his image at the combine. Uh, he fell in the draft, the Cardinals took a chance on him. But like, he was at one point in time at LSU, he was considered the best player in college football. And it wasn't a stretch to suggest he could win the Heisman. Um, you know, it, didn't, it didn't work out exactly how he wanted to, but he has obviously gotten paid and sort of paved the path, I think, for all these modern, uh, these modern like safeties. You can move around and, and, and play in different spots, move into the slot you know, uh, shift all over the place and be creative in your defense. And like Winfield, I think qualifies a little bit like that as well. Uh, also the fact that Antoine Winfield Jr., like I'm, I'm pretty sure I covered his dad, which is in depressing as hell. 
like Asante Samuel. I know, you know, it's like all these like like Thaddeus Moss is in the freaking league. Like, I mean, it's just it's, it's so depressing. Um, that Winfield, I love coming out uh, coming out of college. I thought he was. Uh, I would have taken him in the first round. I, I don't think he should have fell in the second round. Uh, and then Buda Baker, who again like the Honey Badger, very versatile. Um, you know, sort of made up for. I guess was it uh, was the first was it Hassan Reddick was the first guy that the Cardinals took who was like that creative can play all over the place yep. and then they took Baker and people were like eh. oh no because I guess they took Tyron they took the Honey Badger first this is all under Steve Kahn's run there they took the Honey right, Badger I get, that, I get that confused it was Honey Badger in Arizona then it was Houston then it was KC right now New Orleans okay right because Arians loved Honey Badger yeah and 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 so kind they took him and but like. Arizona just has this history, whether it's Honey Badger, Hassan Reddick, Buda Baker. I feel like, or Deion Buchanan maybe is the one I'm forgetting about too. And then um, obviously Isaiah Simmons as well. Like they're willing to take chances on these versatile uh, chess pieces that you that you can operate inside of that defense. And, and Buda Baker has been one that's really panned out. For that's yeah. just sort of my thought on those three guys. Yeah. yeah. And so with with Matthew. Again, it's it's interesting. I'm not surprised that he didn't want to leave Kansas City because I feel like he was super unlocked there, and he was still an impactful player. Like it is a little head scratching that you. I know he's. I know they've got a younger player in Justin Reed and in all of that, and they might want to move on. Like it's it, you know teams make those decisions all the time. It's nothing new, but when you have a player that has been so impactful, and you know I've written about it, the face of that defense as much as we talk about like Tyree Kill, Mahomes, and Kelsey on the offensive side during this Chiefs dynasty arrow whatever you want to call it Matthew's been that guy on the defensive side of the ball with with Chris Jones it's just been they have been absolutely insane and he was great up and up through last year too I think he was eighth in approximate value uh he got obviously a pro bowl nod and he's moved around as much you know we talk about the the versatility he's a box safety for 438 percent of the snaps last year but he also played free safety for 280 and then he was in the slot for two 206 I mean, that is pretty healthy amount of kind of moving him around is what we're talking about here. So for me, I love the versatility. I still think he's one of those elite defensive backs in the NFL. And I, I think this change, this change in New Orleans will be fine. Again, he's, I think people might say that he's going to replace Marcus Williams, but I, I don't think that that's really going to be the case. Again, that's just not their playing styles. It's just it's two totally different type of players. I think Marcus May who's also a safety and who I really liked. He was just injured all last year, so I couldn't you know, put him any higher than you know, an honorable mention best. But he's someone who I think is probably best suited to replace that, and I think they're going to use Matthew and different pieces all around that secondary. Like, if I said over, under, two and a half pick sixes just against Panthers and Falcons quarterbacks this season for the Honey Badger. Would you take over or under? Because I think I'd take over. Yeah, I'd take the over. You know, especially <laughs> like with somebody who, you know, I think he feeds off of emotion. Again, I think we saw it, especially at LSU. He loves just that environment. Yeah. Living up to that big moment. We've seen it in Kansas City, obviously, in the biggest moments, Super Bowls and all of that. All of a sudden, you're home. You're back. You know, the, the, the New Orleans native is back with the Saints. Yeah. With the Saints playing for them and with a kind of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, there were quotes from him this offseason saying how hurt he was at the fact that the Chiefs decided to move on. He would have taken the same contract that Reed got with Kansas City and all of that. I think you're going to see an extremely motivated Matthew this season, which is exciting for me to, to watch. Yeah, and worth noting that um, when he left Arizona, he's only 25 years old. He's still, I think he is. I think people forget just, that. 
Yeah, he was still really young, but like Arizona sort of like was like, eh, like we feel like your play has slipped the last two years. We're not going to give you a ton of money. He played played very well in Houston, not like all pro level. But then when Kansas City signed him, as you point out, he just I mean just took off. I mean yeah. the last you know two Pro Bowls, two first team All Pros. Uh, didn't make it last year uh, in terms of the All Pro, but was a Pro Bowler as well. And I, I think you could even make a case if you wanted to that. Tyron Matthew is a bigger loss for the Chiefs than Tyreek Hill. Now that's crazy talk. I get it, but like, if like I feel like you can with Patrick Mahomes, and not, I'm not saying like in terms of their like Tyreek Hill is clearly better at his position than the Honey Badger is at this point in time, at least based on what we've seen through 2021. And that's not a knock on on Matthew; it's just the reality. But like, if, if I feel like you can fairly you can compensate for the loss of Tyreek Hill on offense when you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all these other weapons that you can bring in and you have Andy Reid calling the plays. I don't know that you can sufficiently make up for that loss. If and like, look, Justin Reed is, is good, that's great. But I feel like that's, I don't know, man. I, I'm with you. It's surprising they let him walk to me. Yeah. Um, what about the other two guys, Winfield and uh, Buddha? Win- Winfield for me is something like an ascending player. I was on with uh, Wilson a few weeks back when we were talking, or last week, and we were talking about the wide receivers and how, you know, like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, they've made such an impact already. I picked, I picked, the, I picked the wrong week for vacation. Like, I should have taken I know. It. <laughs> the I should have done, done the, yeah, no, right? yeah. But, you know, I think Winfield's similar. I, you know, comes out of the gate his rookie year, helps them win a Super Bowl. Follows that up this past year and is still, again, one of the more ascending players in the NFL at that position. He was fifth among players in coverage, according to PFF. He's only 23 years old. He allowed a passer rating of 63.9. I mean, you you look at that and you say, okay, this is somebody who we can kind of build around in terms of a secondary for a long while. And I'm excited to see you know him to continue to blossom. I think that this Bucks defense is only going to get better. I mean, I look today. I didn't realize I knew that obviously they'd be a Super Bowl favorite, but I didn't know that they're second now, only looking up to the Buffalo Bills at Caesars. And a lot of that I think is going to be obviously Brady coming back for sure. But I think that this defense is still going to be one of the best in the NFL. And it starts and it not doesn't start with Winfield, but he's certainly a guy that's going to contribute. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out who wrote for CBSports.com the Antoine Winfield retires story because I haven't sneaking depressing suspicion that it was me <laughs> i saw something it. you know something similar to that i saw like david ortiz and manny ramirez's sons were playing together like at a, you oh know i don't God. know if it was collegiately or whatever but like i'm like oh my goodness jeez. yeah it's like welcome welcome to hell um it's crazy let's see right, yeah anyway um and then and then quickly with buddha baker too you know a strong safety is kind of lost now in the NFL. I, I feel like we don't have that anymore, but he's the closest thing we have as to someone who is legitimately just that missile out of the secondary. I mean, he is one of the more physical guys that we have at that position in this league. And obviously that's going to warrant being in this discussion. If we're talking about versatility, we're not just talking about, you know, how he does against, you know, in coverage or anything like that, but he did just have his best year of his career in coverage this past season. Um, let me see if I have it in front of me. A 78.6 passer rating in coverage last year. That was career high. And so if you're telling me that all of a sudden we're starting to get Buda Baker, who is ascending in coverage, and he's still Buda Baker, the more physical safety, one of the more physical safeties we have in the league, that's that's exciting there. I agree with you completely. I think Buda Baker is a special player, fun to watch. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, Sully's top five safeties coming up next 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So at number five, you have, uh, uh, God, I'm like, yeah, you know when you take like a week away and you you just really turn your brain off of football? Yep. I just did it. I just did it last, yeah. was it last week or whenever I came back? Yeah. I, I, I bet this is like the hardest article you've written in a year. Oh, just because you're like, you're crazy. like, oh. It's crazy. It's like, it's like Marcus Williams, like he is, uh, he did change teams, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did. I'm saying like, that was like, I was like, I was thinking, I was like, he is on the Ravens now, right? <laughs> and he is. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I know that. I mean, I know that, but my brain is still like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't say anything stupid now. Yep. And then I said something stupid anyway. Uh, point being, Marcus Williams checks in at number five for you. Yep. Cashed in tremendously at the Ravens. Five years, $70 million. And, you know, he's he's another one. I, I thought uh, Tyron Matthew was going to be a guy that would go to the Ravens because I think that they – I just, when I think of the Ravens defense, obviously you think of like elite linebackers, but I also think of like elite safety play just because I feel like there's always that physical electric kind of safety, whether it's Ed Reed or, or go down the list throughout my, you know, football viewing uh, lifetime. So no, I thought it might have been like, I mean, they brought in um, uh, uh, Weddle. Yeah. Eric Weddle. Like they always feel like they, like they land that veteran safety. You just, yeah. or like a, it didn't have to be like an older veteran, but like just, there's just always somebody who's like lurking in the back end of that defense, ready to like make you pay. Yep. And and I think Williams is, it's a little bit different. Like I'm curious to see how they're going to use him. Cause I don't think that they're, I think he's more of a center fielder guy that lays back. He's not, I don't think he's someone who they're going to move around or hasn't moved around quite a bit. Like last year he had 922 snaps at free safety. Like he was exclusively, playing in that back end of the secondary. And so, again, that's just with with the New Orleans Saints. So who knows how the Baltimore Ravens are going to use him. But still, when he's just, a, you know, a, I don't want to call him one-dimensional, but when he's playing in that role, he's still one of the best in the league. I mean, 52.4 uh, passer rating allowed when they're targeting him. He's only 25 years old. He was the, uh, the seventh highest graded player in coverage last year among eligible safeties. You go down the list and you look at these like, you know, you, you click all the different stats and you try to see who comes up and you're trying to parse things. He's pretty much in the conversation anywhere you click, anywhere you kind of look up. He's in that discussion there. So for me, again, someone who might not be or at least hasn't shown so far to be that like physical kind of in the box type of safety that we're seeing move around a little bit more in the NFL. But he's still one of those guys that raises your ceiling to your defense on the back end. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, um, you know, Marcus Williams had the, of course, the Minneapolis miracle um, that, you know, he, and I think one of the things Pete Briscoe and I've talked about this a bunch, but he bounced back from that so well. Like that's the type of situation where 
it's so ugly, just an on-field on-field mistake that it can mar your career and like derail your your play. And and it was very. I was just always very impressed with how he, you know, was just like didn't came back in I guess 2018, right? And didn't didn't really skip a beat. It was a 2000. Is that right? Yep, 2018. Because uh, he was a rookie that when it happened. Was, that's crazy. Yeah. It was 2017 season when the Minneapolis Miracle. And okay. I want to give a shout out to the absolutely – and now it's like, you know, it's sort of um, – you know, two of the guys are gone, so it's not quite the, the same. Actually, I guess uh, technically three of the guys are gone. But the 2017 New Orleans Saints draft class, Marshawn Latimer and Ryan Ramchick, both in the first round, 11th and 32nd overall. Marcus Williams in the second round, 42nd overall. Alvin Kamara, Alex Anzalone, and Trey Hendrickson in the third round, 67, 76, and 103rd overall. That draft class completely – the Saints are going seven and nine, three straight seasons. That draft class lands, and they like had this Super Bowl window where they really should have won one in that window. It didn't happen, but that draft class, one of the like all-time great draft class. And, of course, they're all, you know, they, you know first through third round, they're early picks, but – like that draft class completely changed. Really, like I, I think there's a chance Sean Payton gets fired, or is like has to leave earlier. I think there's a chance that the Saints don't, you know, like maybe, maybe they, I don't know. I'm not saying they move on from Drew Brees. I just think that draft class changed that trajectory pretty dramatically for the New Orleans Saints. At number four, I would do four and three, and then we'll do two and one just for time purposes. Justin Simmons at four and Jesse Bates at fourth and third respectively two guys who i mean like i mean obviously anybody listening to this podcast i assume knows those names or, or is like familiar with those names because they're really good football players but like they are definitely not household names in terms of uh you know being like superstars or anything yeah i think jesse bates might maybe might be because of that super bowl run for the Bengals last year i think that sure. that might change it and i think justin simmons too you know, depending on how things go at Russell Wilson now in Denver, I think that that might be, you know, you get more primetime games, you're in, you're in more, you know, I think you start to start to kind of make a name for yourself because your team overall is going to be better. But for Simmons, I mean, Denver's secondary wasn't good last year. It wasn't, you know, it was 20th in the NFL in DV, against the pass in DVOA. It wasn't anything to write home about, but he continued to play at a high level. He was uh, tied for second among safeties in approximate value. He had a 59.4 passer rating when targeted, which was the eighth lowest among eligible safeties. You know, he's been pretty productive. I mean, 2019 was his best year so far. It was statistically just, you know, one of the best we've seen. I think I even ranked him like when uh, one of the years. I think I might have ranked him one. I don't remember. The last, you know, I've done this for a few years now, and I think I ranked him one at least at least once. He's been in the top five pretty consistently, but that 2019 campaign was absolutely insane. But he still continued at a pretty elite level in terms of his of his statistics. And so for me, he's someone who I, I just I think is only going to get better now when you have Russell Wilson as a part of this. Because again, you're not in these tightly contested games with Drew Locke as your quarterback. Like you're going to be, you know, teams might be throwing a little bit more if you have somewhat of a lead. I mean, when you talk about Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, I think is still with them too. Like that's an offense that's going to put up points. And so all of a sudden you're getting a different type of offense that you're defending on that side of the ball. So Simmons is going to see a lot more opportunities, I think, against the pass this year, which I think is only going to help him because I think he's going to put up numbers there. So again, closer to a household name. And then quickly with Jesse Bates, you know, he didn't have a great year last year. I, I kind of wanted yeah. to, I wanted to well, bump him down. 
I was going to say, Prisco talked about this too when he was on the show and talking about where he put Bates in his top 100. And Bates came out and said that the, his contract situation was weighing heavily on him throughout most of the 2021 regular season and that he sort of finally kind of got past it as the later in the year. And that's why he played so well in the playoffs too. And now he's being franchise tagged. Um, so you sort of wonder, like, will there be – look, man, you get franchise tagged and you can't work out a deal with your team. And that can, you know, alter your mindset. But I think being honest about that makes me feel better about the possibility of him coming in and, and, and you know, and being in, in the right headspace to perform in 2022. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen it, we've seen it in all sports, contract years. Sometimes players elevate and they are just, you know, they put out the best year of their career because they know money's on the line. And that's, you know, that's clear motivation for them is a dangling carrot at the end of the season, but sometimes it's, it does weigh on you and it does, you know, it does the opposite where it's like, all right, like I'm, I'm a little too tight. I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying a little bit too hard to try to perform, to prove that I'm worthy for this contract. It's possible that happened to Bates this year. If he, you know, and he's saying that, then that's certainly, you know, a possibility there. He did though, in what kind of saved him in these rankings, again, he's not number one or anything, but he's still in the top five. He's still, I think one of the better safeties in the NFL, but what saved him was, he looked more like the elite safety that we saw last year in the playoffs. Absolutely insane for the Bengals as they made that playoff run. I have the stats here. He had two interceptions. He allowed quarterbacks to combine for a 35.6 passer rating when targeting against him. And then opposing receivers caught just 36.4% of their targets. I mean, just shut down as shut down could be. Made clutch plays. I think he didn't. They don't, uh, they don't go to the Super Bowl without him right. playing the way he did. Because he picked off Mahomes. Uh, he picked off Mahomes in that in that AFC Championship against to uh, set up the game-winning field goal, right? I believe that was overtime. I think too. Yeah, I don't, I don't, Every, I everything, really everything gets yeah. everything gets it gets fuzzy at this time of the year. But again, he's a huge piece for that secondary. I don't know why Cincinnati isn't just rewarding a guy who's. I I, I think he's what like. Tw- in his early 20s or mid 20s at the very least right he's not, it's not like yeah, we're talking he's, about he's just been his rookie contract that's, that's what i mean like he's just ending his yeah. rookie, it's rookie's deal it's not like we're talking about a dude like you know you make the case a little bit more for you know an aging veteran where you're like all right well he's going to be 32 at the end of this contract because he's 28 now and it's like do we want to do all right maybe you can you can talk me into that but i still think he's a top of the market kind of guy and you know he's even said he's even said, or his teammates have even said so this offseason. I forget who said it, but there was somebody who was making quotes that says, "We all know that Bates needs to get paid." That's yeah. not great to go into a season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think part of the problem for him is probably that. And look, this has happened across multiple positions. We talked about it. Um, God, who are we talked about it with? But the you know the Browns, um, you know, did it with. Uh, oh, we're talking on the top, top 10 tight ends with uh, Dejani. Is that, geez, is that this week? Probably. Whatever. Whatever it was. It was <laughs> sure. Um, was that this week? Oh, my God. Was it last? It wasn't last week. I did wide receivers yesterday. last week. It could so. have been yesterday. Uh, could have been. It was yesterday. Anyway, my point being is that the Browns paid David and Joker a ton of money, and yep. it sort of messed up the tight end market because, you know, like Mike Gusecki – um and uh who uh, uh, got, uh who else got franchise tag schultz thank you dalton schultz yes um i think it was monday when this happened um both of those guys are not going to take less than david friggin and joku in terms of their contracts and if you're yeah. jesse bates you know you just saw jamal adams got 70 million dollars with 38 million guaranteed and 17.5 per year and minka fitzpatrick got 18.2 per year and 36 guaranteed 
Um, you know, Harrison Smith is an older deal. Like you're not taking less than $15 million per year if you're Jesse Bates and you feel like you are an all-pro safety who is coming into his own and is, you know, really just two years away from hitting the hitting free agency as a true yeah. free agent. Like you just you cannot take less than $15 million a year. And my guess would be that the Bengals are not inclined to pay the safety position that heavily when they can franchise tag at a much more cost-effective rate. I'm not trying to suggest the Bengals are cheap. The Bengals retain when they, when they find talent in the draft that works out well for them. They typically do retain it and don't like to let it walk. You know, Carl Lawson and they brought a Trey Hendrickson swap out is, is sort of the exception. Point being is I agree with you completely. He should get paid. I just sort of wonder if these big numbers in the safety market might have caused uh, negotiations to stall a little bit. Well, not only that, the one thing that I was thinking about too, in terms of what could be preventing the Bengals from, from all, you know, from paying Bates I mean, Joe Burrow is going into his third year. At I, some point, that conversation is going to have to start. You have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and and uh, and uh, Tyler Boyd. Some at some point, some of those guys got to get paid. And what did we just see this offseason? The wide receiver market absolutely exploded. So at some point, those guys are going to need to get paid. And I don't know. I think the Burrow, the wide receivers. That's a big number that's looming over that franchise over the next couple well, of years here. And let's not forget, too, that I, I really think that this is an underrated story. Jason Lockenford wrote about it, uh, I think, earlier, either late in the season or this offseason. But Deshaun Watson got, again, back to the Browns. They screwed up the tight end market, and they screwed yep. up the quarterback oh, market for everybody else. Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed contract. Joe Burrow is going to want as much guaranteed money as he can get. He's not going to take 10% guaranteed when he's playing like an all-pro future franchise quarterback who can save the Bengals from – being the Bengals for the rest of time. If you're Mike Brown, you know, you're rich as hell. You're probably not a billionaire, like very close to a billionaire. But let's say if you're worth $925 million, which is, I saw a report uh, from ESPN. I, I, don't, I don't know how accurate it is. Like, you know, but that's the report. Let's say Mike Brown's worth $900 million. Well, if you write Joe, if you, have to, you have to put every dollar, you have to match every dollar of guaranteed money in a contract by putting it in escrow because of an old antiquated CBA rule and regulation. If you're worth $900 million, you're not worried about money. But when it comes to writing a check for $230 million guaranteed and depositing it in escrow and then writing another check for $50 million guaranteed or $38 million guaranteed to Jesse Bates, all of a sudden you have a third of your net worth tied up in an escrow account to pay NFL players that you really have no issue paying with in the first place. Like right. the Bengals don't mind paying these guys, but you don't like that's, that is even for somebody worth $900 million, that is not an easy thing to do. So right. I, I think you are correct in the Joe Burrow contract factoring into all of this and how they want to build out their roster and whether or not they want to allocate a significant, you know, percentage of their resources to the safety position. And they probably believe that, you know, as good as Jesse Bates was, that they can, because they, did they, um, double check. yeah, he was 54th overall in the 2018 draft. Like, you know, he, same draft as Minka, same draft as Jamal. He ain't taking less. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, he's just not going to take a lot less than those guys when he's, well, especially if all of a sudden he's more of the player that we saw in the playoffs this year. The Bengals kind of, you know, buck recent trends of Super Bowl losers not really, you know, kind of stumbling. They actually just continue to play well, which is certainly possible. And they're back in the conversation. They're back in the divisional round, vying for an AFC championship. And he's leading that defense. 
as much as we talk about Joe Burrow there, he's going to have a case as well. Absolutely. Um, okay. At number two and number one overall, Derwin James checks in at number two for you. Yep. And I, Derwin James is probably one of my like 10 favorite players um, to come out of the draft over the last five, 10 years or whatever. Like, I, 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 love, I can't believe he fell to 17th. In the same draft, by the way, what a draft for safeties. Jamal Adams, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, and Jesse Bates all in the same Unreal draft. class. Unreal. Yeah, unbelievable. Was there, I'm trying to make sure uh, Terrell Edmonds was in that as well for Pittsburgh. Um, just trying to make sure I don't you know, crap on any other. Justin Reed was in that draft. Wow. That's pretty impressive for safeties, mm. man. I'm, I'm sure I'm probably missing somebody, so apologies if I, if I am. Um, just trying to run through the, the list of safeties on there. At any rate, point being is um, Derwin James fell to 17th overall. In that class, um, he was third for comeback player of the year last year after only playing in five games in the 2019. Oh, no, he missed the, five games in 2019, missed the entire 2020 season. Um, and it felt like he was really getting charged where, you know, you have a really good player who just keeps getting hurt because the Chargers, for whatever reason, um, aren't, aren't able to keep people healthy. And he bounced back in a very nice way last year. He, he's so versatile. He can do it all. You can move him anywhere you want. And when he is healthy, he is one of the, I don't know, 10 or 15 best defensive players in the entire NFL. So um, I got no problem with him, him here at two. I think it's probably, if, if I may, Sully, yep. more of a projection on what he might do with a full healthy season in 2022 than it is necessarily like, you know, was he the second best safety last in the NFL last year? Yep. And I looked it up too. Last year I had him 10 and I was saying, listen, and when, he you, when you have this guy healthy – you have to under and again it's projection like that's it's it's there's part of that in in these as well like you're you are projecting a little bit to how they're going to perform he if he's healthy he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL like you said and he comes out plays 15 games last year and is looking exactly like the all pro player we saw in 2018 during his rookie year where he was absolutely insane and so when you when you can when you put those together it's like all right you know if he was healthy the entire time he's probably number 1 like it's Pretty, if he's just a healthy player and is is displaying that talent, he's probably number one. So I'll give him number two and dock him for the injuries. But like you said, you can move him pretty much wherever you want. And the Chargers did so. He's, he spread out pretty evenly. 361 snaps in the box, 224 in the slot. And as a general free safety, he was 326. I mean, that is pretty flat across the board and he could defend pretty much whatever position you need to whether it's a running back when he's in the box tight ends wide receivers obviously he is extremely versatile 71.9 passer rating uh against last season 64.8 um uh excuse me it's a 64.8 completion percentage i mean he is basically whatever brandon staley wants he can do and there were comments i think it was this it was this offseason at some point i forget when exactly but staley like talks about him like he's a quarterback where it's like we need to build the defense around derwin james it's almost like he's talking about the offense with justin herbert we need to build this around justin herbert when you have somebody talking like that that's when you know how impactful the player is so for me again health is the biggest thing if he's on the field he's one of the best if not the best safeties in the league yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and then Kevin Byard at number one. I believe he graded out as PFF's number one yeah. rated safety, an insane 90.9 coverage rating and uh, 83.8 against the run. Um, pretty, uh, yeah, I mean, like 
my my favorite Kevin Byard thing of all time is the Deion. Do you remember the Deion Sanders thing? Explain it. So Deion Sanders was like tweeting about there's some like list or like something like that. Kevin Byard tweeted at Deion Sanders was like uh like or something. Deion was like, who is that? Like I, like or like he Deion left him off the top safeties list or defensive backs list or something something like that. And Kevin Byard tweeted at Dion and was like, yo, like I mean. I would say that, you know, there's an obvious snub on this list. And Dion quote tweeted and was like, you keep staying, you keep uh, being a fan and I'll keep being the man. It was like, <laughs> Dion, that's an actual NFL player on the league that you cover professionally who you snubbed and don't like, you don't know who Kevin Byard is. Everybody knows who Kevin Byard is, but like, that's, a, it's such a perfect encapsulation of like Kevin Byard and just how underrated he is yeah. as a player. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, you know, PFF's number one graded player in coverage. If you look at approximate value, he's tied for first at the position. I mean, you look around and you, you, you again, when, when you do these lists, you're obviously looking around. Like, what are, what are, what is the consensus? What are the stats? What are people saying? And you have them, you have them pretty high on these lists, if not number one. And for me, I think that one of the things that made him so impactful last year, obviously, he's been a, a great safety in the league, but I think what made the numbers pop. A little bit more was Tennessee finally establishing a pass rush. I mean, that's just going to help everybody on the back end. So for a guy like Bayard, it's just you know, again, the numbers are ridiculous: five five interceptions, thirteen pass breakups, eighty-eight tackles, two forced fumbles. Um, let me see. He only missed two point two percent of his tackle opportunities last season. He was pretty, you know, when he got a line on you, it was pretty much over. And you know, versatile, like I said, with Derwin James. I mean, a little bit more of an outfielder, 603 on the uh, as a free safety, but 331 snaps in the box. I mean, he's just establishing himself, again, as one of the top safeties in the league. And I think that the pass rush for Tennessee last year helped him a lot, too, kind of pop. Um, all right, so here's the full thing. God, I love this story so much. This is like so – so. oh, yeah, look at Devo. Devo's you're the best. So uh, Dion said originally – he said, the NFL Network tweeted out in March 2018, so like the offseason, Deion Sanders is a big fan of the Houston Texans' latest DB edition and said, Honey Badger is the best safety in the game. Kevin Byard quote tweets it and says, how do you make this statement and not include the two first-team AP offer safeties? You know, uh, thinking emoji. And Dion quote tweets him and said, you're looking at who writers tell you who's the best. I know who players and former players feel is the best. I rest my case. You continue to be a fan, and I will continue being the man. Hashtag truth. There is no way you can take this statement by Deion Sanders in March of 2018 any other way than that he doesn't know who the hell Kevin Byard is or didn't at the time, which is amazing. Like there is even like, I mean, he still, Byard has a blue check mark too. Like I, I mean, you can kind of just go, wait a minute. This is some, like, it's somebody. Is it a writer? Is it like, if, give yourself ammunition. Like if it's me, like if that's me. Like he could go, you're just a writer. You don't know. I'm you never played in the league. Google Kevin Byer. Just <laughs> give it a, but not even that. Like that's, that's even a little bit too much. Just click the bio. I'm sure <laughs> there's a picture of him in a Titans uniform or something. I'm sure. Or it says like. Uh, yeah. I will say that there is no actual information. Artina's son. I wonder if oh, he may have changed it. Something may have happened right. to. Um, and he's very involved in. Um, like if you click on his website, it's like the Byard Family Legacy Fund. So, there, so it, it's entirely possible he's changed that since then. Um, and that for he sure. Did but have... I mean, when you have like, 
I mean, you have. I'm, I'm just looking. You at see the every, blue check mark, and you, you just don't quote it and assume that he's a fan. Right, but you scroll down two tweets, and he's retweeting PFF about the top safeties in the league, and he's on it. Like it's, you know, it's not like we're yeah. like it's not like it's like all you know. It's just also a random person. Also, you are a former professional. That's also part of it. Hall of Fame defensive back who talks on the league-owned television network professionally somewhere between 10 and 20 hours per week about <laughs> professional football. It would behoove you to be aware of someone like Kevin Byard, who was just named AP All-Pro Safety uh, because of his skill set. It's really more telling on Dion than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, that's the list. Those are the safeties. I continue, you know, we talk about, you know, hard work grinding on these lists. I would also like to point out that somehow I squeeze 50 minutes out of these lists for this podcast. <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't matter. Position. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, listen, this is just a tough list to do. And we're going to rip through this thing very quickly. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, you we're look talking up about and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah I know, I know. Um, but Sully, look, you, you were on vacation. You came back. You grinded through the safety list. Good work, you know, man. It's part of the job, you know? It's right. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm a warrior, but everybody else can say what they want. <laughs> Do your job, right? I mean, that's, that's the mantra. It's the, the Pat's mantra. Uh, okay. I, I'm not saying that I'm a hero. I wouldn't, wouldn't be me. say that. Wouldn't be right? me. I wouldn't say that about myself, but you guys, absolutely, you can send all the love you want. Yeah. Uh, send him love at Tyler Sully on Twitter. And also... If you are watching on the live stream, bonus, we're going to have another live stream coming up right after this. I think we're going to talk offensive line with Jeff Kerr. So uh, if you're hanging out on the YouTube channel and you're like, man, I don't want to go back to work. I need uh, these warriors to grind out another fascinating nebulous top 10 list in June with Princeton screaming from some living room uh, in Raleigh. Well, you're in luck because it's happening next. Uh, stay tuned. We'll, I'm sure we'll send an alert, but you can just hang by the YouTube channel and refresh, and it'll pop up. Sully, as always, buddy, a pleasure. I'm sure we will uh, talk soon. Thanks, man. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.